everyone. Today's episode, we have Rachel Payne on from Legalise Cannabis Australia. She's an MP. We're discussing uh, the ins and outs of legalisation of cannabis, decriminalisation. So whatever we say in this chat, please seek the advice of a medical professional, of your doctor. Enjoy. A listener production. This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. We are here for an amazing episode that we've been excited to do for a little while. Um, Lem suggested it um, because why, why, Lem? She smokes weed and she it's not weed. stigma anymore, everyone, especially if you have a medical script, okay? okay? Yes, she's got a medical script for marijuana and there's been a lot of changes recently. Well, not recently, I guess recently-ish around legalisation and decriminalisation of, of marijuana. I think there's a huge grey area that everyone in Australia is very confused about what mm. is and isn't legal. Yeah. So we've got an amazing expert on. We've got Rachel Payne. She's a Victoria MP and a member of Legalised Cannabis in Victoria. She's a yeah. former head of EROS, yeah. the Adult Industry Association. Yeah which I'm going to read this out quote, guys, because I was going to get it wrong, which aims to lead, protect and support the growth and well-being of businesses and workers in the adult industry. Now, that includes, you were saying before, everything to do with yeah, anything 18 plus? Anything age restricted, anything 18 plus. So all the fun things in life like strip clubs, brothels, sex on premises venues. Right. Sex Boring. shops, adult <laughs> shops, we like to call them. Exactly, yeah. You're also an educated girly. Uh, you mm. hold a postgraduate in public policy and an undergraduate degree in sociology and politics mm. and you're bisexual and you're a mm. performer who too was as freckles blue in mm. London and Paris. I mean, what <sighs> can't you do, Rachel? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Smoke be a model. legally. <laughs> 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 okay, so I, there are a lot of questions I think a lot of people have. Like I said, mm. this is a huge grey area yeah. in Australia. It isn't, as far as I know, it isn't quite as clear cut as in the US where it's like, Colorado, you can smoke weed and you can buy it from shops, question yeah. mark, or Amsterdam where yeah. you know that you can go and you can buy marijuana. Instead, there's things like, oh, you can go to Nimbin and maybe get some weed off the street <laughs> and no one seems to care. But if you do it in... <laughs> you know, in, in the city of Brisbane, then mm. you will be arrested. It's mm. all very confusing, right? It's extremely confusing. And I think with medicinal cannabis is now legalised all throughout Australia, but you have to go to your doctor, you have to get a prescription and you have to consume that prescribed product. You can't just source your own material and say, I'm using it medicinally. When it comes to where there is good regulation, at least a first step, the ACT in 2020, I believe, mm. decriminalised cannabis for personal use, okay. allowing people to grow at home. But they're only allowing them to grow two plants outdoors. Now, anyone in Canberra would know that's very difficult. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and they kind of had a bit of a issue around there's not any option to have seeds. So how do you grow a plant if you, if you can't have the seeds? So <laughs> Now, is this an... Okay, is this an intentional caveat from the government to prevent it or is it an uh, oversight? I think it's just an oversight, to be fair. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you know, I and and I guess maybe it's a bigger conversation, is a seed considered cannabis? I would say it's a plant that's growing, okay. first and foremost, yeah. So currently all the different states have different yeah. legislations, but nationwide mm. you can get a cannabis prescription yeah. from your GP or from a special doctor? That's right. So you have to go to a prescribing doctor mm -hmm. and they'll apply through the TGA for you to have a medicinal cannabis script, essentially. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that those scripts are going up exponentially. We're seeing 4,000 scripts a month. Wow. You know, because people are realising that, well, this is a way that I can safely have access to cannabis. Mm -hmm. But it's discluding people who can't afford the doctor's appointment. Um, yeah. I've got a mate of mine who has Parkinson's. His script is about $1,000 a month and he can't work. So he has to run the gauntlet of growing his own. The script itself? Or mm. Yeah, the to fulfil his script, which would be flour and oil, you know, and, and it's that understanding of all the different types of cannabis and how it does impact you and how it can assist you medicinally. Okay. Yeah. So it's expensive to get the script itself because you've got to go through a lot of different doctors every month renew your script, like a psychiatrist. Just, just the like, cannabis itself is expensive. Oh, so it's course. an X amount per gram if you're buying mm. flour. If you're buying something like a concentrated liquid or, or um, oil, it could be anything between $100 and $200 for, you know, a small amount. So 
the fact that it's it's not covered by the PBS, it's mm-hmm. expensive. Medicinal cannabis in Australia is is really controlled and mm-hmm. so you can understand why it is expensive because mm-hmm. they have to get to a point of saying this has this amount of THC or mm-hmm. this has this amount of CBD mm-hmm. and this is the effects it will have on you. Okay. Um, What's the difference between THC and CBD for someone who does, like, just complete 101? Complete 101? Yes. Um, I think we need yeah. basic information. <laughs> for CBD, for example, it's really good for inflammation. It's really good for people use it for treating depression. Mm-hmm. Some people use it for chronic pain issues, whereas THC also interacts with your body around chronic pain. People use it for mood elevation, THC is the part of the cannabis plant that gets you high, mm. that gives you that effect. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it's the, the fun, fun one. one. <laughs> but we're also we learning more. Drug, illegal drug use, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> no, it you is can the be fun prescribed. One. You can be prescribed THC. It is the fun one. Yeah, it is the fun <laughs> one. And it also helps people with chronic pain. Because I lived in Canada for a year and it was completely legal. So you just walk into a yeah. normal shop. It's like going into like an Apple store. But obviously yeah, there's like little pretty. buzz. And yeah, it's really modern and every single type of customer as well goes there. So it's like mm-hmm. the CEO or just, yeah, like somebody who's over whatever the age was, I think it was 21. Yeah. So I was able to try a little bit of it. And yeah, there was different percentages of like the THC versus the CBD in whatever the particular um, plant was, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And different strains have different levels of, say, THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about when you've got a regulated market. You can walk into a store, for example, and the labelling will say, this is how much THC is in this product. This is how much CBD. Mm-hmm. This is the effects it's going to have on you. This is how long it will last. Mm-hmm. So, and people are really educated in that in that way. And, and people also understand how to consume cannabis, I think, a lot better than what we do here in Australia. Yes, they have mm-hmm. a safer way of consuming alcohol. Yeah. You can't overdose on weed. But yeah. Oh, yeah, you can't, right? But so THC is like the upper and CBD is like the downer. Like, is that a kind of a summation? Oh. To an extent, I think, and, and this is the interesting thing about cannabis, it interacts with everybody differently because yeah. we all have an endocannabinoid system. And mm-hmm. uh, Do we? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm going to be learning mm, about it mm-hmm. too. We so do mm-hmm. have an endocannabinoid system. <laughs> I talk that's about why, it all the time. That's why, we, that's why humans really, you know, gravitate, and, and my cat, for example, gravitates towards cannabis. You know? Oh. <laughs> Wait, your cat has cannabis? She likes to hang around when I'm having a joint, most oh, definitely. Right, yeah. okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so we've spoken about legalisation mm. and there's also decriminalisation. So yeah. can you explain the difference uh, for our listeners of those two terms? Most certainly. So, and, and you mentioned Queensland earlier. So Queensland surprised us all because they've just recently decriminalised personal use of small quantities of all drugs. Oh, what? really? Yeah, so like you cocaine as well and everything. Cocaine, uh, MDMA, uh, meth, cannabis. If you get if you get caught with a small quantity that is just for your personal use, you'll you'll get a warning. You won't end up being charged with an offence. Really, mm. Queensland Queen, is where a supply. Where do they do that? It, I think the law is only just coming into effect roughly now. That's so but interesting. It, was, it blindsided everybody. We're all like, wow, because Queensland. I grew up in. Que- I'm from Queensland. Yeah. And Queensland has such strict, weird rules that all lead back to bikies. Okay. So, like, our lockout laws when I was younger were all because of the bikies. You weren't allowed, even in Queensland for a while, there, I don't know if it's still the thing, but you weren't allowed to travel on motorbikes with more than three people because of the bike. Like, mm. people weren't allowed to even be in motorbike wow. groups. Wow. Like, yeah. And okay. every time, and you'd be, like, scared if, and, then, and you'd be like, ah, the bike. But probably just some, like, 45-year-old um, little group of like, vintage bikes, and we'd be like, ah, the bike. Are here. <laughs> um, are the dykes on bikes doing a charity run? Oh my god, the dykes on bikes! <laughs> Shout out. Um, uh, anyway, our lockout laws were all about. I guess they were about like the one punch thing. You weren't allowed in, yeah. in without hand tattoos or face tattoos or neck tattoos to clubs at yeah. all. Like you weren't allowed to leave the house if you were even like resembling a bikey, mm. even if it was a tattoo. <laughs> That's that had wild. To do. Yeah, like Queensland was really. So I'm surprised you'd think that they would associate that with. Bikeydom. Mm. It was like a satanic panic, but it was a bikey panic in Queensland <laughs> yeah. for a while. Like it yeah. was like, they're gonna come to our houses and kill us. Like it was like, a, but they were. I don't know if they were doing anything. But so Queensland is—is is that the first place in Australia to? So ACT is decriminalised. I think South Australia decriminalised all drugs. 
as a small yeah. quantity. Yeah. yeah, and the ACT wow. has as well. So, but you know, it's it's unusual, isn't it? And Queensland has now as well. So all drugs, including hard drugs like heroin. Mm. Or- I mean, if you're if you're constantly being picked up with an effect, uh, with a small quantity, then I think they elevate it to something more around yeah. health harm minimisation. Mm a health-led approach. Um, mm. There's obviously something more going on there than you, yes. you know, getting busted on a Saturday night in Fortitude Valley. But, yes. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, actually my, my partner works in like New South Wales health and stuff like that. So harm minimization is something she brings up a lot. Are you able yeah, to kind yes. of explain... What is the difference between like, yeah, what's the approach of harm minimization? I yeah, guess? and I think it also leads into that conversation around what's decriminalisation, what's legalisation and what's, mm. you know, broadly regulation. So decriminalisation, you would have that it's no longer a criminal offence, mm-hmm. but you, you still can't buy any product or yeah. you, you might have an ability to grow at home, but not everyone can grow at home. Mm-hmm. So you're still sourcing your weed from your dealer mm-hmm. um, and you don't know what's in it. No. You don't know what it's affiliated with, mm-hmm. where that money's going back into Comparatively, if you're going to regulate or legalise, you create systems and, you know, depending on what that may look like for different um, parts of the world, Mm -hmm. essentially it would mean that you have potentially a shop front or a regulatory body that would look at giving you a licence to Mm -hmm. be able to do that. And anything as similar as, you know, walking into, you know, as you mentioned before, like an Apple store Mm. where they have a plethora of products and they are able to tell you what's in those products, flour, oil, Mm. edibles, things Mm -hmm. like that. So. Yeah. From a harm minimisation approach, you really do want to go that one step further from decriminalising because mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is encourage people to have safety in, in their consumption. Mm-hmm. And the best way for that to happen is for products to be tested, to be assured that what's in it, you're understanding, mm-hmm. and also someone educating you on how to consume it. Mm, absolutely. And I guess because the, le- the less we speak about these things, the more dangerous it becomes because people don't yeah. know how to use things properly and don't know how to look out for things that may not be weed in inside yeah. a, a joint or what are yeah. being sold on the street. It's like pill testing at festivals. Totally. I'm sure no you, brainer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have a yeah. agreed stance on that. Mm. Uh, I think pill testing at festivals is, I think it's insane that it isn't done constantly. I think it's insane that People are being punished for having possession of personal use of drugs at festivals mm. when they are just, instead of being caught, they're going to scoff down six pills exactly. and, and die. Yeah. Um, so we're at all different stages in different states at the moment. That's right. We can legally get it medicinally. Mm. And what is the next step to get it from uh, legalisation medicinally to then just general legalisation? Like what does, yeah. is it a state government thing or is it a federal government thing? I actually think it's probably more a state thing because your states look after your hospitals, your police force, okay. your um, you know your regulation models as to what that might look like. I can't tax it though. I think that the states are looking at different ways they can move into a, a tax revenue space potentially, but the federal government looks after tax. So I would think if the states sort of said an, an approach that I'm wanting to take is to say, look, we need to, re- we need to start regulating. So mm. let's remove that criminality, mm. allow people to grow at home just a small quantity mm-hmm. and, and make it cheaper for people to have their medicine. It will sort of push the federal government to have to say, this is a market that they need to regulate. Like any other market, you need to look at how we can make money from it. And I know that I know they must be crunching the numbers. Every other Surely jurisdiction right. around the world is looking at different ways of implementing this. And Australia's are the biggest consumer of cannabis in the world. What? Yeah. I was shocked <laughs> at that one too. And like 25% of young people say that they use cannabis quite regularly as well. So that's twice as much as how many people smoke tobacco. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we really need to take all that on board and not just say to young people especially – just don't take it. Don't mm. take drugs. It's really important and it's it's even dangerous not to have education and regulation around something mm. that they know that they're consuming. Yeah. What are the negative impacts of having something like weed criminalised? Particularly for young people, people from culturally diverse backgrounds and Indigenous people, and we mm-hmm. know Indigenous women are most impacted here. They are the ones that are most targeted mm-hmm. when it comes to criminalisation of cannabis. If you're Indigenous, you're more likely to get a court summons, Mm -hmm. then a warning. If you're an older white man, you get a warning and waved off. It's ingrained. It's Mm -hmm. causing a lot of harm. And the fact that people are, you know, having to go to their drug dealer, buying some weed, Mm -hmm. someone might say, you know, that person might actually say, oh, I've got this and that. Have you tried this and Mm -hmm. have you tried that? So you're actually exposing young people to more drugs than you Mm -hmm. you would if it was regulated properly. Mm -hmm. Um, Education as well. Uh, I've only just recently heard a lot of the medicinal cannabis providers talking about 
start low and go slow. Now, I think that should be a slogan that everyone is repeating mm. because when it comes to cannabis, there can be strains out there that, yeah. are, that interact with you differently. You can all of a sudden, if you're like me, <laughs> sometimes have something and then two minutes later I'll be asleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> like, that really relaxed yes. me. Yeah, pineapple express. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Wedding <Yeah>. cake. <laughs> These but, are strains um, you guys are talking about, isn't it? The strains. It is, yeah, The names yeah. of the different cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, Oscar and I going, expert. we get it, we get it. <laughs> and see, if you're in, if you're, you know, Oscar was talking about being in Canada earlier. If you're in Canada, they would know, oh, well, Wedding Cake or Pineapple Express, that's a quite a high THC variety. Mm. So... We don't have that education here and that's what's causing real harm. Yeah. You mentioned the higher chance of Indigenous people mm. and marginalised communities being mm. punished for having personal amounts of weed. Do you know any mm. stats about the difference in convictions? Or because yeah, I feel I like it's, I don't know if this is, I don't forget if I can say this, but I feel like it would almost be used as an excuse to arrest Indigenous kids, whereas mm. I know a lot of friends have been caught with pills and, mm. and coke and weed and it, it's a laugh and a not even a slap on the wrist, a laugh and mm. a, oh, just give me that, see yeah. you, mate. Whereas I feel like marginalised communities are actively targeted as a form of, yeah, as, as to be punished. If you're non-Indigenous, I think the stats are about a 72, around 72 to 75% caution rate. You'll just mm -hmm. be given a caution. If you're Indigenous, I think it's more like 40% that you'll give, wow. be given a caution. So that's obviously a 60% chance that you will get yeah. a, court, a court date mm. and, and a summons to appear or, or an arrest. It's like in, in the US, there are so many people, particularly black men mm. in the US, in states where now it's legalised to have marijuana that are mm. still serving 20-year prison sentences. Oh, my God. It's crazy. For having marijuana in the 90s, mm. oh, I guess it would be the early 2000s now, who now it's legalised yeah. and it's such a, a normalised thing. Totally. So would that happen in this country? Say if someone, say if we legalise it now, they mm. can't, backdate laws, can they? Yeah, it's called expunging the conviction. So if it mm -hmm. actually becomes regulated here, we can say this is just not fair for mm. people. It's, it, you know, you might have done the crime, you do the time of that time, mm. but no longer is it a crime. So mm. it shouldn't be on your record and affect your um, opportunities for employment or for travel. Yeah. Yeah, most would definitely. Be, would that be something that people would have to petition for themselves or would it be? It would be something that would have to go through each state government um, as an expungement uh, law that would right. be created. And it would yeah. be like a umbrella law that everyone that, if it, if it went yeah. through, that everyone would then be released from being punished for having something that is now legal. Exactly. And and that's what's happened. I believe that's actually going to happen in the US if it hasn't happened oh, already. Really? Yeah, I think it was happening. Maybe I heard it on a podcast a few years ago. Yeah. I think that was a, a Biden move to keep the young people happy. Yeah. And in Thailand, <laughs> it happened as well. So when I was in Thailand, a couple of weeks back, I managed to have a nice holiday, which was Beautiful. fantastic. <laughs> Specifically went to a um, hotel that was a cannabis-led mm -hmm. hotel, which was quite good fun, cooked with cannabis and everything, but that's <laughs> another story. I spoke to a woman named Kitty there who has a dispensary, and she actually helps a lot of people who have been victim of the criminalisation of cannabis mm. in Thailand and ended up in prison. One particular guy she was telling me about, he was... In prison, that, that was lifted. He was a grower, so um, she managed to assist him in getting mm -hmm. his licensing. And so he now supplies his particular product to a lot of different dispensaries. Mm -hmm. And she said he was able to buy a buffalo and, like, have, oh. um, have service his farm better. <laughs> and, like, I was like, that's pretty cool he bought a buffalo. So Thailand have now <laughs> Thailand have legalised? They've delisted, which is kind of like decriminalising. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So people can have possession but they can't? sell at a shop front. Shops are allowed, but the okay. regulation I think is, it's like they jumped the gun a bit and the mm -hmm. regulation is now trying to catch up and make sure that they're operating properly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why is Australia so confused about the mm. cannabis laws? I think Australia's pretty conservative when it comes to drug reform more broadly. And, and, you know, as I said, Australians are the biggest consumers. Um, it's bizarre. Know, we also have, you know, every, I think, three or four years, they do a, an Australian-based annual household drug survey. Mm -hmm. And the stats showed for that in 2020, and I expect that they're going to jump again, that 72% of households supported cannabis as no longer being a criminal offence. Mm -hmm. So the rhetoric is changing. I just don't think governments are keeping up with community expectations on this. And Things are relaxing, particularly around, it's so normal now to use medicinal cannabis to the point where you probably know someone who has a script. 
someone in hey, this babe. room. <laughs> there you go. Sis. Yes. Yes. Me too. Yeah, so too. there you go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You're missing out. You're missing yeah. out. <laughs> I feel like this conversation has been happening in the background for honestly since I was in high school, like totally. 15 years minimum, obviously longer than that. But mm. I think it's been spoken about and much more normalised. And now it's everyone that I know, I know that I live in an echo chamber, mm. but everyone that I know is all for at the very least decriminalisation yeah. of drugs for those reasons, you know, safety and efficacy of use, making sure that ma- marginalised communities aren't being prosecuted more harshly or at all and that it isn't used as a as a reason to prosecute those minorities. But mm. but. I feel like it's had the weirdest slow moving and it doesn't feel like it's a front page issue, but Mm. everyone that I know speaks about it and thinks that it's going to be resolved. So how do we get it to be resolved? Is it be, I mean, obviously it has been spoken about, obviously you're there. And and that's (laughs) the, that's the hilarious thing. I mean, I'll I'll tell a little bit of a story about how I got, Mm. like I'm an unelected member of parliament. My my political party I represent is legalised cannabis. Mm. I mean, you couldn't get any more obvious a message. Yeah. That, and we sit in an interesting place in Victoria as our colleague Jeremy Buckingham sits in New South Wales where we are often needed as that deciding vote by the government. Oh. So they do need to talk to us more about cannabis than potentially in other states. So yeah. running in the election, we had very little money to sort of put a huge campaign together. So it was all about look for the leaf on the ballot. We're trying to legalise cannabis mm. and this is our core message. So we were the fourth highest vote received okay. in that election. So wow. there's definitely people out there who are going, we want reform in this space. And it is front and centre something that we want to focus on. But it's also a human rights issue. I mean, people shouldn't be criminalised for accessing a plant. I mean, mm. that, that's what it comes down to. And, mm. and I think that there's just so much stigma around cannabis. And even for myself, like I'm, a, I'm an elected member under that banner mm-hmm. and I still felt like I was coming out again yes. <laughs> as a cannabis user, Speaking you know. About it, yes. Oh, I've got to disclose this. I, I do enjoy a joint to relax and yes. uh, I'm a medicinal user. I use it for particularly for period pain and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I get quite anxious sometimes. So I like to use CBD mm-hmm. with a little bit of THC in it. Mm. Thankfully, a doctor has found that that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reducing that stigma around that conversation, I think, is also really important But you're right. How can we change these laws? It's really complex. And I think that it doesn't need to be. And I think that's sort of where we're at. I'm happy to work with everyone to get there. And I think the Greens have announced a federal policy. Um, It's awesome that that's sort of happening in the background in in a bigger picture conversation. I don't know if the federal government will be that keen to sort of Mm. work with them on that. But we'll do our best to try and continue to support everyone's position moving forward. So it's been spoken about how regularly in Parliament? Is this a is this a big topic or yeah I don't know oh, it look. feels like we're be, it feels like it's almost passive mm. like everyone everyone just says oh it's going to happen eventually yeah but I don't know what's actually physically and tangibly happening in Parliament to make it yeah the case yeah I've proposed a bill and I'll bring that up for debate at the end of the year which is a first stage to regulate cannabis and it's about removing that criminalisation okay as well as allowing people to grow a little bit at home we've proposed like, six plants okay. And that you're able to gift cannabis because we know a lot of people who are carers, particularly for people living with disability, mm-hmm. they can't access cannabis to the level of that medicinal prescription because mm-hmm. it is so cost prohibitive. Yeah. So they're growing cannabis and creating you know, tinctures, oils, mm-hmm. cannabis butter. I mm-hmm. mean, everyone's seen that amazing video of that woman with the older woman with the shakes. I'm assuming she probably has like motor neuron, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of cannabis butter on her biscuit because she doesn't like the taste. <laughs> 20 minutes later, she's has agency and and control over her body again. Mm. So I think just really pushing forward with those conversations. I, every time I'm in parliament, I get up and talk about cannabis. (laughs) Because like, that's why I'm there. She goes again. (laughs) She goes. (laughs) Wade, we get it. Here to talk about. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Cannabis again. You guessed it. Sometimes I throw sex in there as well. You know, just to mix it up a bit. You've got variety, you know, you've got range. You're very popular at the moment. So fourth most voted in in the state. And Mm. you've got a lot of people who obviously are behind it. Is it a political thing that MPs are just risk adverse to encouraging the idea of cannabis use? Like surely Mm. people privately would be going up to you and saying, oh, yeah, we should just, I, I love to have a joint. 
Tollies. Yeah. And, so. and that's the funny thing. When we first got elected, I think everyone thought, oh, here we go, jokesters, stoners, mm. here they come. Yeah. And we did cop that nickname for a little yeah. while. But so many of our colleagues have disclosed to us that, you know, yeah, they've tried it or, you know, that they've had this experience with mm. it, but they would never say that publicly. And it's a real shame because they're sort of under that banner of their party politics. Mm. In Victoria, I can speak only for our Premier has come out blatantly and said that he would, would not support legalisation of cannabis. However, he's changed his tune before. We've seen him change his position on on voluntary assisted dying, like euthanasia, Mm -hmm. for example, Uh, and medicinal cannabis. He is front and centre of really pushing that industry since 2016. So, and he has in some ways committed to reforming the driving laws. It's just how we go about that. So I think we're, we're just going to keep chipping away at him. Yeah. Okay. He's gonna keep, <laughs> what are the driving laws speaking mm. of? Yeah. So if you're a medicinal cannabis patient, you're not allowed to drive essentially. If you're pulled mm-hmm. over on a roadside drug test, you're obviously not impaired. Mm-hmm. You do the random test and THC we know stays in your system for quite some time. How long? It can stay in your saliva for, uh, you know, three to seven days. It can stay oh, okay. in, for some people, it can stay in your blood for a month. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. But we know that THC wears off at least four hours. After eight hours, most certainly you are no longer affected mm-hmm. at all. Okay. But it will, if you've had a joint, say three days ago, it could potentially show up in a, in a roadside drug test. If you produce a medical certificate to say, yes, here I am, I'm a patient, there is no waiver on that. You are given a court date and you're an automatic suspension of your license until that date. Okay. So what so it does scare me thinking people are driving stoned. Totally. And we're not encouraging that at all. Me going, (laughs) So how do we create a law that doesn't penalise people who have done it, you know, three days ago that are are medical um, patients versus people who are impaired? This is the difficult Totally. And and funnily enough with impairment, like any other medication, if you're taking a benzodiazepine or a Valium or uh, Mm. antipsychotic medication that we know can create sedation or, or impairment, you're not tested, so you're not even required to show that you're a medical patient. Yeah, true. Um, we're trying to see the medication recognised as just that, a medication. Okay. Your doctor will sit down and say, I've prescribed this for you. You've got two weeks. I would suggest you don't drive for two weeks while you get used yeah. to it. And then from that moment, you know, you take it at night. So when you wake up in the morning, it will no longer have an effect on you, for example. Your doctor and your pharmacist who's prescribing that would have that conversation with you. But we've also seen some pretty cool research come out of, oh, it might be Monash. Dr. Tom Arkell is a leading researcher in this mm-hmm. space. And so he's working with patients and looking at their ability to drive after taking their medicine and okay. reviewing that over a period of, say, um, four to eight hours. Mm-hmm. And what he's found is that even when people are taking their medication, they're at no, no higher impairment than a 0.05 alcohol limit, for example. Okay. Um, but we do know that when it comes to people who consume cannabis, if they don't feel right, bet your bottom dollar they're not going to drive. So, And some people actually build up quite a tolerance, particularly to THC, and if, if they've been taking that medication for quite some time. Okay. I am fearful of people getting stoned and going behind the wheel. Yeah, yeah fair, enough. fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And we would never advocate. Yeah, like, of course. We would never say, like, it's hard because yeah. I guess with alcohol, when you are impaired, then the results show up at the time you are impaired. Well, but it's the lingering. Is there, a way to, mm. is there a way to test the amount of THC in some – or there's no – and there is sort of impairment tests. Like if you go to do Canada, for example, mm. they'll do a sobriety test on the side of the road before they'd ever test you to see if you've got any drugs right. in your system. So What's Canada's sort of rules with driving? Very much the same. You right. shouldn't be impaired and drive. Right. And US would be the same as well. But, uh, yeah, we seem to be really hell-bent on just excluding it. It's not about them testing for impairment, they say. It's about them testing for presence. And we're okay. saying we want you to test to make sure that they're impaired or not. Okay. And people can be impaired from being tired having a fight with your partner, like being distracted from work. I'm on codeine right now because of my tooth, so I'm probably <laughs> slightly impaired. Maybe. I know, I feel really weird. Can I ask like fought. So we've also got, in Tasmania, they've actually got a medical exemption and that's sort of what we're seeking is that as, as long as you're a right. medical patient, you're not impaired, you're following the advice of your doctor. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about Johnny that just punched three cones and got behind the wheel. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about a, a <laughs> Johnny, stay oh, drunk. Get cut it Uber, out. Right? You can get almost, almost anything on Uber Eats. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, stay home and as well. <laughs> can I ask, though, like compared to alcohol, obviously you can just like walk down the bottle shop, get whatever mm-hmm. you want, 
And there's yeah. absolutely no stigma. Actually, there's stigma if you don't drink. How did that start with cannabis, at least in Australia? Like, why is there this kind of... Why do I get a look every time I say I do smoke it, basically? Yeah, and it, it's a funny one, isn't it? I think it, it, 1928 was when they made it illegal to consume cannabis in Australia. And I wow. say all to, to my colleagues, we don't want to get to 100 years of a failed drug policy. That's, mm. that would, if, it, if it was a company or if it was a... If it was any other place, mm-hmm. it would be considered a massive failure and it would be completely changed. It wouldn't, it wouldn't fit the criteria. Mm. Why would it be a massive failure? Because everyone's still using it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. done anything about it. Yeah. yeah. In Australia, I think the, the stats are 1.8 billion is spent on criminalising cannabis. So that's your police, your court system, and then prisons. 1.1 billion a year spent on imprisoning people for cannabis. Wow. So I think some of those things are just like, that's a huge failure. Imagine mm. if we were using that money just to educate people on yeah. what cannabis is, what it does, what it can help with, what wow. you should look out for. Yeah. So it started, why 1928? What happened? I think that was when uh, the international sort of drug summit from the from America came through, and it's right. very much tied into a lot of racial connotations, mm-hmm. um, and, and essentially, I guess, big business wanting to move in and, and take over, but also them wanting to deter Mexican migrants from coming into yeah. America. So it's this huge scare campaign that has continued to be projected, mm-hmm. and. Um, I guess the argument we always have is, you know, Lem makes the awesome comparison of alcohol and, and you know, yeah. smoking a joint. You know, if you have four guys get together and, and get drunk, they're likely to get into a fight. Like if you have yeah. four guys get together and smoke a joint, they're likely to start a band. I mean, yeah. this is the kind of... <laughs> I'll talk about starting a band, but not actually follow through on it. So when you're talking about like, you know, why is this so stigmatised when we know that... People are pretty chilled and relaxed when they're stoned. Yeah, um, yeah I, ca- I can't completely answer that question because like we were talking before, I'm in a bit of a bubble in my world, yeah. obviously, and it's very widely accepted in my community. I've even got my mum on the drops. Like Ooh. she rang me, oh, get on your jewels. L- love you, jewels. <laughs> 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 she she she, she, no, she, well, she reckons she accidentally spilt the bottle and because I said to her, just oh. start with a couple of drops. Right. But she, uh, you know, spilled she the bottle and had to have her clean that up. Can't <laughs> right. let that go to waste. Of but, course. But she's reporting her, her poor hips and her knees and not she's not in pain anymore. Good. Her wow. frozen shoulder's not too bad. And she said, hey, my moods are feeling pretty good. I'm going to give this to your father. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what are, what are the biggest arguments in Parliament against doing this? Because I think... Again, like we've been saying, everyone mm. that we know, we're in a bubble, we acknowledge that, but most people are fine with legalising it yeah. or decriminalising it at the very least. Yeah. It would probably, if the tax was able to be set up in a certain way, we get a lot of revenue from it. We'd yeah. save money in imprisoning people. What are the arguments against this? And I often have this conversation with my colleagues because they'll say, look, we, we support medicinal cannabis. We're okay for people to have a prescription and receive that from their doctor or their pharmacist. That's great. But we don't want to see people, you know, socially using cannabis. We don't want it. We want to discourage mm. that. Just say no kind of approach. And my argument is once you regulate it, you're actually, it's the same product. Mm. It's either a flower or oil and you've got a, you're provided with the information as to what is in that. I dare say the industry would easily convert over if it was mm. regulated that that product would be supplied in a sort of retail setting as mm-hmm. well. But a lot of the arguments are particularly around mental health and the yes. damages that it is assumed that cannabis can cause. And there has been a lot of research to say that there is issue there. However, I think it's a really simple approach and, and a dangerous approach just to say that cannabis caused this. Mm-hmm. We've seen when it comes to medicinal cannabis, a lot of people are prescribed that for mental health. Mm. Um, I know that University of Newcastle and Wollongong have teamed up uh, Dr. Green is in charge of that, and I remember her name because <laughs> did you not with Green? Um, but they've found that treating people with severe depression, a high dose of CBD has improved them over a two-week period in comparison to normal antidepressant medications. So, I think that there's so. I bet you can still come as well. Cannabis and libido and, <laughs> yeah, and, I've heard and that. endometriosis. It's been <laughs> become such a, a, a positive resource for that and. I think that it's just about removing that stigma mm-hmm. and having that conversation because the most dangerous thing to do is keep the laws as they are. Mm. If they stay the way that they are, people who are 
stigmatised and maybe experiencing poor mental health and maybe even self-medicating with cannabis. I mean, that's another conversation yeah. we need to have rather than just making that assumption that it's bad for you, don't do it, mm. say no. Mm. That's not the case. Yeah. So, it's like absence education around sex. Just saying mm. no doesn't really work. People yeah. are going to do this regardless. They need yeah. to have a safe environment, have the correct information. Mm. But with mental health uh, conditions, like schizophrenia is a big one that you hear yeah. about. How prevalent is that in long-term use? It's a, an incredibly low risk, mm-hmm. according to the most recent research mm-hmm. that is out there. There's a very popular researcher within Victoria who is often an advisor to our leading policymakers mm-hmm. in Victoria, Dr. Patrick McGorry, mm-hmm. who has said that there's no causational link there. That's a very hard thing just to say to a mum who might approach you and say, my son used a lot of cannabis and this is the state that he's in. Yeah. But I think it's a really complex argument that we do have to unpack. And I think that to say that cannabis had this causing effect isn't necessarily matching up. Right. And um, that's why you were saying about self-medicating as well, because it yeah, could be a symptom of something that's right. else going on anyway, regardless. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I even had a com- good conversation with my therapist about it because she's my mm, therapist. Mm. You know, her argument back to me was we know that alcohol is far the, the greatest cause of issues around psychosis, particularly mm. in young men. Mm. Um, and why, why are young men more prevalent to psychosis than, than women is, I think, even a bigger conversation we need to be having. Why, why do you think or what does the research show? Oh, gosh. Because they don't talk about one. emotions. <laughs> Patriarchy doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. Exactly. <laughs> Is it also because young men binge drink more? Well, mm. who knows? I mean, I couldn't answer that. You but know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I research. yeah, but I, I agree. I think it's, it's, it's a complex and it's very layered just to mm. sort of automatically just banish cannabis and say it's mm. causing this. It's just, mm. it's kind of lazy politics and I disagree with it. Yeah. I mean, as well, other medications that we take have side effects that are awful. I mean, the pill alone yeah. has a million trillion side effects. They're dangerous. I can't be on the pill because I get migraines on it so mm. I might get a stroke. Mm. Even things like... Valium, if you drink on Valium, you can be severely, severely impaired and, and really right. um, go on a depression spiral if you drink on antidepressants, if you drink on antibiotics. If you, So it's interesting that cannabis is the one medicine that has this stigma against it. Totally. And I, I talk to a lot of prescribing doctors and pharmacists and their their biggest concern is that they've got patients who are finally finding some agency over their lives. They've used every other type of medication, mm. particularly for pain relief. Mm-hmm. Um, like people who have got chronic pain may have had a car accident or an injury at work. And they're finding that those patients, because of things like the driving laws, are going, this medicine works for me. Cannabis is working, but I'm going to have to go back onto my opuo-based medication Mm, because mm. I'm too shit scared of getting busted driving. And it causes them to gain weight. It causes them to become depressed. Mm. Like it's a a bit of a... And you have to keep getting like a higher, higher script with OxyContin, for example, right? Like you need to like keep... Yeah, it's like so addictive. Whereas like cannabis... Is it true that you can't get addicted to it? Or maybe just psychologically, like... Yeah, look, I think I think um, any issue of misuse you'd have to like delve into is mm. someone's, you know, using a lot of cannabis, it may be that they're misusing it. Mm. But when it comes to sort of people who consume cannabis, it's more if they mix it with tobacco, they're actually addicted to the tobacco. Um, oh. Yeah, wow. so... sense though, right? Yeah, um, I don't smoke cigarettes, so I understand. No. But wow. I'm a thousand days free. Are you? Oh, yes. Wow. Well, well done. I, I get a tummy ache if I smoke. I tried to smoke cigarettes when I was younger to be cool and I got tummy aches Ooh. so I couldn't do it. I made Thank my God. cousin India, um, she was there bum puffing at a party once and mm-hmm. like I'm four years older than her so I had to so always being, teach yeah. her the lessons. Yes. I said, India, go like this. And she did and she was quite ill. And yeah. I never touch a cigarette ever again. Oh, that's so, a, oh. And she's got fabulous skin now. So. Oh yeah. That's I, also yeah. what I care about. Osher Ginsburg doesn't smoke um, either. And he yeah. looks great. He looks you know, amazing. He's a very handsome man. Very so, handsome. you know, he doesn't drink either. So. Mm. What, what's the deal with vapes at the moment? Because you can mm. buy them, but you're not allowed to. Oh yeah. Let's discuss vapes. Cause I'm confused by this. Well, again, yeah. not a vaping girl. Don't I've got to really. say yeah. I am. And I, it's very addictive. It's yeah. Very yeah. Wow. It's the nicotine. Yeah. So. This is the thing, like laws tend to not catch up with things that become part of the mainstream and then Mm -hmm. they try to make laws to catch up with what's happening in the mainstream. So 
Like vapes were meant to be a device that you would use to moving away from smoking cigarettes mm. and still being able to consume nicotine. I mean, mm. neither of them are great for you, but vaping is much safer than smoking a cigarette. Is it? Yeah. Even if you're smoking, even if you're, instead of inhaling oxygen, you're only inhaling. I've seen people that I know that literally don't breathe air. They just breathe. <laughs> they're, they're, you know what I mean? Like they, they're talking, they go, yeah. So, and then just wow. only, yeah. And I'm like, I, I feel like if you had to roll a ciggy, yeah. you, you wouldn't be smoking this much. Yeah. That it's the sense? effort that it takes, totally. I feel. I, I, yeah. I do hear that. And, and this is the thing I think around, where you're buying your vapes, is it through a, a retailer that has an age restriction? Mm. Is it like, is it kind of like to, how tobacconists have to have certain rules and regulations? Vape stores are meant to have the same thing. But mm. I know in Victoria, vape stores are, aren't allowed to sell vapes with nicotine in them. Okay. Um, but they, but but they people all were importing yeah. People were importing their own e-liquid from New Zealand. Like there's always going to have to be a workaround. But I think what the government are trying to do now is just they need to have greater education. We've got so many young people who are just you know, using vapes. It's, mm. it's something that needs to be a bigger conversation, that's for sure. And, and I agree, like nicotine is highly addictive. So yeah. that's what that's what is the biggest concern. Um, and you see a lot of those cartridges that are dis- disposable. I mean, I have a huge issue with the fact they're just a battery that you can throw out. Yes. But um, there's no labelling on that to say nicotine is addictive or any sort of warning. Yeah. Or So they're not regulated. They're being sold totally illegally. And it's they say just, like no nicotine on it, some of them. But it actually has nicotine. Oh, yeah. Some of them do actually. Really? That, yeah. That's terrible. See, and it's young people who are just like, no, it doesn't, you know, it's just flavoured e-liquid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I said, if it's not just air that you're breathing, it's bad for you. But um, the whole point of vapes and those that are regulated properly and, and have gone through that process of testing, mm. they're definitely smo- safer than smoking a cigarette if you're just trying to get some I nicotine. I guess one but it's, for one, right? Yeah. If you're doing, like, if you're having the same amount of smoke that would be from a cigarette in a day, but I feel like what happens is people literally like mm. wake up and grab their vape and vape yeah. all day, and they vape indoors because wow. no one cares yeah. if it smells like grape. Yeah, um, <laughs> they, they vape indoors, they vape while they're driving, they vape, and I'm like, I feel like my friends who used to smoke mm. that now vape used yeah. to smoke like three cigarettes, you know, throughout a night, and now it's like they're vaping constantly. And yeah. you can't really Non-stop. keep an account of like how much you're really no. having because it's like, yeah, you just, it's automatic almost. You just reach for it. It's honestly, and I'm really sick of standing in cold smokers areas for everyone to have their little lolly juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, stop putting heaters out there. I'm like, yeah. Freezing. <laughs> but you know, actually I did get my doctor who prescribed me the cannabis that I'm taking. Mm. It, he actually told me that it's much better for you to vape than to roll a joint. Really? Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah. But he even recommended what type of vape I should get. Yeah, and, great. And the type of cannabis that goes with that specific vape. That's but, so, You've got an awesome doctor I listen know. to this. This is, this is the way you want to, um, you know, be advised to, as to how to consume cannabis. I use a vape as well. And okay. Because you're not actually burning it, it's heating it. So you're... Is this like it, a dry herb vape? Is this it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, explain They're that. What the cool. hell? So it's... it's <laughs> Instead of putting a cone into a bong and lighting it, for example, you would put the same amount into um, a device that just heats it. And so it vaporizes it instead of burning it. Oh, so it's better for your lungs. Yes. Much better for your lungs. And you can also taste, and this is something we haven't gotten into yet, but terpene profiles is something I'm fairly new to learning, which is all the smells you get from cannabis. So Mm. it might be like that minty smell or that lemony smell or peppery smell, and they all have different effects on your body. Okay. like the lemony one is actually good for, you know, calming anxiety, I think, and um, helping with um, cognitive function and things like that. So, okay. Whereas something else might be good for appetite and sleep, hence why we get the munchies, you know. Right. It, those sorts of experiences we're understanding more. But a vape, you can actually adjust the heat and it will mean that different effects of the flower will come out, which is, again, pretty cool. Wow. Mm. Science yeah. is crazy. And there's also like microdosing, isn't there? Like when I was in... LA. I they have this like down Alan Weho they have this like little plastic thing and you just yeah, it's just like microdosing where you just inhale and yeah, it just it, you don't get fully the full effects of it, but it's just a little bit. That's a thing, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I haven't okay. seen it here most Sorry, definitely. Go to LA, but, right yeah, here. yeah. 
Oh, well, you know. I got to go to LA just before the election here, actually, and that that really incited me to get involved because I was just like, this is amazing how much knowledge people have. Mm. There's there's so much understanding, and like I looked around in a dispensary, and I was just so. It, it really warmed my heart how many older people were there, especially mm. like, you know, people who are retired. And it just sort of gave me that like warm feeling of, <laughs> yeah, they're just like enjoying an edible and like having fun with each <laughs> other. So cute, you know. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. Um, so in countries that, or in places that have legalised cannabis already, mm. what, are the, what are the benefits been? Like taxation income? Yeah, definitely. Better education as well. Yeah. As I mentioned before, in Australia we're big consumers and 25% of young people consume here. That's in the last, say, 12 months that, that those stats have come from. Mm. But where it is regulated and often legalised, young people choose to, if at all, consume cannabis later in life. Mm-hmm. And again, back to that conversation around mental health, it's particularly important for people when they're quite young not to consume too much cannabis, you mm. know, for example, um, would be probably some of the advice that I would think that would be um, mm-hmm. being distilled. Mm. It's really important that that education is there and, and it, the proof is in the pudding where it is legalised or regulated, there's that harm minimisation approach and young people are like, yeah, you know, if I do try it at all, I'm, I'm a little bit older. So I think the average age here is like 14, 15 overseas where it is regulated. It's about 16, 17, even right. 18 um, is it part of teenagers wanting to be naughty, rebellious little things? Probably. I think that's part of it. I feel like when I was younger, um, mum always let me have a sip of her goon. Um, <laughs> I hope I can say that. Yeah, me too, like, me too. A sip, a sip of her champers yeah, at, yeah. at, at um, Christmas. <laughs> and I think that's a huge reason why I don't get pissed that often because I like oh. never saw it as like a naughty thing. Same, same. Like I, like one sip, also not from when I was two years old, so I know everyone comes <laughs> my mum, but like from when I was like, I'd be like, can I have a taste? And she'd be like, oh, okay, darling, and give me like, mum's going to kill me for this. She's actually going to murder me. But I feel like, also I'm not saying every day, there's like a Christmas, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it just wasn't like a naughty, mystify mm. thing. Like I never really have been like a yeah party girl, like a drunk, like, like I love to get drunk, kind of person. I think that's partly because of it, and maybe yeah. that was very European. That's what like a lot of European yeah. countries do. Yeah, yeah. really I'm European. My family, <laughs> yeah, from Queens and Gold Coast. Yeah, we're just drinking the goon, having a sip of goon. So European. But I just think, like for my kids, for example, I would be like probably twenty one. I would mm. say is when you want to start considering it, just because there are studies that show that it does impact like the frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. Yeah, because it keeps growing until then. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to listen to me or give a shit. But um, but you've also got in situations where they're prescribing um, medicinal cannabis for children with epilepsy. For oh, They're yeah. looking more now oh, into wow. autism and the use of small dose THC with, with children with autism as well. So I think it's more, again, about education and that start low, go slow approach. Mm-hmm. I would think that it would be much safer for a young person in their 20s to have a joint occasionally than to get drunk you know, binge drinking every weekend, so. Is there yeah. research on that? Um, I'm sure there is. Sure there is. It, yeah. Because yeah. it, it, that's what I think as well. I think having mm. a joint. Because I think there's no like, safe level for alcohol, right? Like there's absolutely no, technically it's a poison in your body, no matter how many drops of alcohol you have uh, as, yeah. a, as a chemical. Whereas like mm. with uh, weed or mm. marijuana, it, it's actually not poisonous until a certain level potentially like. Right. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, anyone who's had a bad experience with cannabis will say, oh, you know, you yeah. had too much. Yeah. But there has been no fatalities from cannabis that we're aware of. So it is it is a much lower harm yeah. profile than mm. anything else that is out there, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what can we do to, as people who want to legalise cannabis, yeah. what can we do to help it get moving? Do we write letters to MPs? That's always helpful. Do we just vote for Legalised Cannabis Australia? What sure. do we do? <laughs> <laughs> vote for the Greens? What do we do? Yeah, and, and this is the thing. I guess getting educated as to what your representative thinks of cannabis, mm. what they think of the law currently, you know, if they're keen to get behind that push. I think it's also just really important to, to talk more about it and reduce that mm. stigma. For me, I have, as I said, it felt like I was coming out when I mm-hmm. told my cannabis story. And I know my, my colleague in David Edishenk, who I'm in Victoria with, he had a similar experience as well. And, you know, he's, he's of a different generation to me and, and in sort of a different world to me mm-hmm. professionally before we entered politics. So I think for him, it was um, quite a different experience amongst his friendship circle than what it was mm-hmm. for me. But 
I'm really open to educating people and I find that the more open I am in conversation about it, the more people that will come to me and talk to me about if they are curious about cannabis yeah. or if they want to, if they do want to support the reform. So many people don't even consume cannabis but think that the laws should change and I think what we have to just keep doing is pushing for it but also really ex- expressing and, and that's sort of what we're seeing how people are voting that they might not put legalised cannabis you know, in in their one or two, or they might put it as their one and two as their front and centre issue, but they'll follow that up with other people who's other political parties that support yeah. legalisation, such as the Greens, say Animal Justice. Yeah. Um, there's other political parties out there that has, have a position on it. And it's okay, about read out pushing. my ballot. Read out my ballot. <laughs> 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 yeah, and that's what we found. Like, yeah. we're in everyone's top six. I'm like, top yeah. six, yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah, oh, that'll do. I'm happy with that. My space you know. top eight. But you're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, happens, what happens if it does become legal? Do you have to change your party name? Do you quit yeah, altogether? You don't? <laughs> we're, the party name is just, we're done. <laughs> we, did we did it. We did it, yeah. <laughs> the successful party. I think, and, and this is sort of where I've branched into other conversations around hemp. Like hemp for me is something that is really important as a manufacturing um, mm. and new industry that we should be supporting in Australia. It's actually a really ancient industry, but it was so bastardised that they mm. have just excluded it. Like it's still considered a drugs, poisons and controlled substances according mm-hmm. to the law. Mm-hmm. So lifting some of that and, you know, building with hemp, you could grow hemp and build houses in 100 days, they say. So, oh, Yeah. What do you yeah. mean? A crop of hemp, I think three acres by three acres, can um, build a house. It will grow within 100 days and it will create enough what they call herd to wow. build a house with. And it's like fireproof. It absorbs carbon. What it's the like, hell? It's revolutionary. <laughs> but because it's associated with marijuana. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is the naughty cousin. Deeply concerning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Deeply. So we can we can just vote for parties that support the legalization. Yeah. And that's kind of all we can do. No, you can definitely definitely talk about it. Write to your MPs mm-hmm. and just get get vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Is what I would say. I mean, that's sort of what I'm there to do as well. Is to mean be there front and center, having mm-hmm. those conversations and putting it out there. I think that it's a no brainer, as mm-hmm. you said. But it's about just convincing politicians that this is something that is really mm-hmm. important, but also has huge benefits to our Australian economy. Mm-hmm. And we want to catch up to the rest of the world. We don't want to be left behind. Yeah, because most of the points we've made here aren't about people just being able to be, I mean, and also this is fine, the people being able to be stoners. It's more yeah. about medicinal uses, mm-hmm. people being able to have access to their medicine, people being not unfairly prosecuted for crimes that is so disproportionate to mm. marginalised communities. So even if you don't smoke, it still, I think, benefits society as a whole. 100%. Yeah. If Hopefully everyone learned something. This has been a very interesting mm. episode. Jesus Christ, Rachel. So where can everyone <laughs> follow you so that they can get all your beautiful brain, your big juicy brain? Uh, Insta would be my best protocol, RachelPayne underscore MP. We love it. We'll, um, we'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Listener Production.